You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. morning. Before I get started in the sermon, I kind of want to just uh, just make a, just a brief announcement. Tonight uh, at 4.30, we're going to meet back here at the church just for a time of uh, food and fellowship. I think there, there's an insert in your bulletin, just the family food fellowship tonight um, at 4.30. And they're going to uh, have dinner. I think they've got like chili, um, vegetables, uh, I mean, just a bunch of stuff. You don't have to bring anything is what I guess I'm trying to tell you. It's all going to be provided. Um, and then also you're invited to bring, if there's any kind of games uh, that you have that you particularly like that are kind of a group game, you can bring those. Uh, we're just going to kind of have some different games going on. Uh, so just kind of a time of just uh, food, fun, fellowship. So that's going to be tonight here at 4.30. It's open to everybody. So if there's, you know, friends, there are two that you want to invite, bring along, feel free to do that. Uh, so again, we're going to be here, I think, from like 4.30 uh, to 7.30 tonight. So if you can get here for any of that, uh, we'd love to have you. I think it'll be a great time of just uh, having some fun together, enjoying a meal. So uh, I hope you're able uh, to come. Also, tomorrow night, we're going to kind of be continuing uh, in our study of Nehemiah. Uh, we are into week six, so that means we're into chapter six um, of Nehemiah. And again, I hope if you're, maybe you're not able, I know some of you have said you've got to work um, on Monday nights, you're not able to come for that particular part of it, but maybe you just have been able to kind of keep reading the story with us. Uh, so we're about halfway through, and this is just really, again, just an awesome, incredible story uh, of what God was doing uh, with just, again, people that were kind of yielded um, to him. You remember back in chapter four, uh, we kind of are introduced to some opposition from outside the Jewish nation. There were some individuals who uh, had some ulterior motives. They wanted to see this whole rebuilding program kind of derailed. They wanted to see it stopped. And, you know, so they kind of started mocking and making fun of the Jewish people. They went so far as, you know, to kind of criticize the wall, that the wall was so flimsy. Uh, if a fox were to run across, that the whole wall would crumble. And so they really kind of got into doing everything that they could do to really dispirit and discourage the Jewish people from what they were doing. But they persevered and they stayed at it. They were determined not to let any of that sidetrack them. Well, then when you get into chapter five, you've kind of got some economic disparity that kind of begins to erupt among the Jewish people. And there are, you know, rich people who are taking advantage and exploiting the poor. And this kind of has the potential of just creating a lot of chaos and confusion and infighting, and all of that had the potential, again, to derail uh, what God was calling them to do in rebuilding and restoring that. Well, it's interesting, when you get into chapter 6, uh, the enemies of, of, of these, the Jewish people, they don't give up. They're, they're back again, and they're not just ridiculing. They're not just threatening violence. What you get into in chapter 6 is they really begin to attack the character, the person of Nehemiah. 
And they start kind of telling lies and they start spreading false rumors and fake news about Nehemiah, about the people, what they're doing, what their plans were. And they were doing everything that they could to somehow try to get the people within the Jewish nation to start questioning and doubting and maybe even perhaps turning against Nehemiah. But it doesn't work. The Jewish people don't fall for it. And we'll see, and the results of their steadfastness there in verse 16, and it says, so on October 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days. Now I'll guarantee you that they had no idea that this was going to take just 52 days. I'm sure as they heard Nehemiah talk about what they were going to do, what God called them to do, I'm sure as they surveyed, as they looked around at all of the damage, as they thought all of this has got to be hauled out of here to make room for the new, I'm sure that they were just thinking, this is probably going to take years. I don't think we have any idea the enormity of what they were facing to do what they did. If Nehemiah started off and just said, we're going to do this in 52 days, the people probably would have said, you're crazy. I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. 52 days to do what they did. And they were able to do it because God was in it. God was a part of it. So it says, just 52 days after we had begun, and listen to this, he says, when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightful, frightened, and they were humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Isn't that amazing? God allowed, enabled them to do this in just 52 days. Days, the impossible to be done in just 52 days. Not just as a witness, a testimony to the Jewish people, look at what God can do when we just trust him. But rather their enemies, surrounding nations were able to look at what they did. And they were able to say and to take away from that, their God helped them do this. It's amazing. They probably, again, they looked at the Jewish people and, and, and they, they saw them as feeble, as unable. And then they see what they're able to do and they realize this wasn't them. It was God. You ever feel like that sometimes? You, you, you look at somebody and you say, there's, just, there's no way God can do what they're doing in that person without God. That person just doesn't have it. I mean, you know, Chrissy's just not that smart, <laughs> you know? Janie, she's just not that talented. Pastor Jeff, oh my, don't get me started on him. But yet they were able to look and, and to see all of the disqualifying things about those people. And they realized this was bigger than any of them. It has to be their God. And man, that's the kind of vision I want. That people look at us, they look at this church, and they see who we are. They know who we are. 
And they said, there's just no way. I know that church. I know those people. There's no way they could have done that without the help of God. Man, what a witness. What a testimony that would be. That, that's what God wants to do here. God wants to do that in you individually, in your life, in his plan and purpose for you. God wants to do that in my life, in my plan, in my purpose. God wants to do something so incredibly huge and so impossible looking that when it all comes to pass, when it's all done, people are gonna look at that and say, it had to be God, they're not that good. They're not that smart. This week, I kind of saw some things. I heard some things this week that were very heartbreaking for me. And I remember, you know, kind of seeing Nehemiah's beginning story. You remember again, Nehemiah kind of, he comes into Jerusalem after hearing the walls are torn down, the gates are destroyed. And, and you remember Nehemiah, he kind of comes in at night and it, and it says he kind of just begins to walk around and he's just surveying all of the brokenness all around Jerusalem. Everything's just lying in waste. And it says he just, he just walks around and he looks at it. And I'm sure there's just this sense of being overwhelmed, the enormity of what God was calling them to do. He sees and, and he hears things where he's kind of maybe left wondering, is this really God? What, what, what are we doing here? I had been in Des Moines on Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Where are you? Yes. Okay, Doug. Doug's helping me keep my calendar straight this week. Uh, and then came back from, and I'll talk a little bit about Des Moines uh, in a moment. And I came back uh, Thursday morning. It was that really cold and very, very snowy day. And I get out of my car and I'm making my way to the building. And before I could even get to the front there, I could hear this, I could hear this crying, this sobbing. And I, I was just, at first I was like, where is that coming from? Uh, you know, and as, as I got closer to the building, I, I could hear it louder and louder. And I was like, what is that? And so I, I came around um, the, the side of the building there and, and it was snowing and blowing and it was super cold out. And I get to the, the front of the church and there lying in front of our doors was a man. Just curled up in a ball, just sobbing. And it's covered with snow. I could tell he had been there a while. His had a backpack with him. There were contents. Uh, he had a, a cell phone, glasses. There was other stuff, and it was just all covered in snow, and he was just laying there in a ball, no hat, no gloves. His coat was uh, very tattered, and, and, and he was just lying there just sobbing. And I, I was just taken back. I'd, I'd never heard someone like that before. I'd never seen something like that, and it, it just... It just was the epitome of despair. 
And, you know, my initial reaction, you know, was to, to get him up and to help him, you know, gather his things, get him inside, let's get him warm and uh, try to figure out what's going on here. You know, why are you here? What, you know, so was able to get him in, kind of started getting the snow uh, off of him and, and trying to help him, you know, get his things. His, his cell phone was buried out there somewhere in all this blowing, drifting snow. And so we found, uh, you know, all of his stuff, got it uh, in there and was just trying to get him warmed up, trying to learn who he was, what's your story, what's going on here. Um, and so probably about 15 minutes later, a, a truck had pulled up um, and I, I kind of sensed by that they're looking in the building um, that they were somehow connected to this. And so uh, I, I went out and, and asked if, if she was looking for someone. And, and she said, yes, my brother's here somewhere. And I said, yeah, he's in, inside. Um, and so uh, he kind of came out with, it, with his stuff. And uh, just, I mean, his hands were just super red, his face, his ears. I mean, I don't know if he had frostbite or, or what, but definitely in, in tough shape. And uh, just sobbing and, and uh, walked over onto the side of the car. And, and this woman really lacked a lot of compassion. Uh, she was very harsh with him. And, uh, and so I, I said to her, uh, what's, what's going on? And uh, she said that he's homeless. Uh, and she said he's a drug addict. And she said, I've been clean for probably about a year now. And she said, I just can't take him to my place. I just can't have him there because I'm trying to recover. And I said, I completely understand. Um, but where is he going to go? And she said, well, uh, she said, I've, I've told him there's several places that he can go. And she said, so I'm just going to take him to one of those places. And one of those places was the bus uh, over here, the bus station over here where the city transit kind of uh, runs and picks up people. I guess there's a building there that, that, that they have open and it's got heat. And I think she was going to take him there or one of the other places she had suggested and just drop him off. And I kind of halfway expected maybe to see him, you know, later um, that day because I wasn't really sure how effective this solution uh, was going to be. Didn't ever see and didn't really hear any more about him. So as I stopped and I'm kind of reflecting on that, there's still aspects of that that I'm reflecting on. I know that this was not happenstance. I know that, that you know, because I was uh, out of the office a lot this week, so it would have been very, very easy for me to have missed something like this. But the fact of when it happened, how it happened, I, I just, this was not coincidence. I believe that, that God wanted me to see this. God is saying something Part of a vision is when you look at something and say, this isn't all right with me. I'm not good with this. And I don't know why that man was in the position that he was in, why things were happening in his life the way that they were. But what I do know is I'm not okay with this. 
I'm not good with this. And I want to be able to have a vision for our church that can begin to speak into these situations. That we can be an answer to whatever the problem is because I believe that God has solutions and I believe that God has answers to everything in life. I don't think there's anything beyond God's ability to do. And I felt totally unable, inadequate, insufficient, unable. I looked at that and I felt overwhelmed by it. There's a part of me that, you know, you kind of wish that that hadn't happened. That wasn't what I wanted to see. It wasn't what I wanted to deal with. But I kind of look back at Nehemiah. And again, Nehemiah looked at the, that broken down wall and he said, that's not okay with me. That's not all right with me. And God gave him a vision and a plan to do something about that. And I believe that God not just us, but I believe that God wants to speak to people, to churches, to be able to say, we've got to do something. A couple of weeks ago, Janie and I and Steve and Christy Tass went to Des Moines and we heard a speaker by the name of Becky Tarabasi. She was from California and she was brought here uh, to, to speak at a, a was it like a, a health and fitness conference. Uh, you're looking at me going, oh, fitness and health, that's... <laughs> Fit for the king, that's what it was. I bet he was kind of dealing with fitness and health, right? Yeah, so I don't, I'm not the picture of fitness and health, but anyway, I'm working on it. Uh, but anyway, she was talking about the, um, just the opiate epidemic in Iowa. And not just Iowa, but she said all around um, the United States, there, there is just an opiate addiction, that's happening, um, and it is devastating communities. It's devastating states. States are becoming overwhelmed um, with the need out there. They, they don't have the means, they don't have the resources to, to, to break this, to deal with this. I just believe that God has given us Man, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty under the God to the pulling down of strongholds. These are strongholds these people are dealing with. This addiction, it's a stronghold. And we've been given tools. We've been given authority to bring those things down. We were at, uh, Doug, Karen, and I were in Des Moines on, on Wednesday. And we were with uh, some individuals from the family leader. And this year, their, their theme is, is they are bondage breakers. They said, we're, gonna, we're looking at every area in the state where we see bondage. And we are going to be bondage breakers. That's what we are. Man, we, we are bondage breakers. I love that. I believe that God is calling us as a church, as a, as a community, look at the areas, look at the places in life where we see bondage, where we see people that are, that are just entangled in sin, and we need to be able to see ourselves as bondage breakers. It's for freedom that you've been set free. We, we're freedom fighters. We're change agents is the, is the word that Becky Tarabasi used. That was kind of the theme of her whole thing is, man, we are change agents. 
We've got to be about bringing change and hope into the life of people. Amen. Yeah. So we were in Des Moines, and Karen and Doug and I had gone down there to listen to and, and to support uh, a, a constitutional amendment that's beginning a process here in Iowa. It's a process that probably take four or five years. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring an amendment to the Iowa Constitution that simply says that, that we do not, the state of Iowa does not recognize abortion as a constitutional right. Iowa does not recognize that it's our responsibility to be paying for other people's abortion. And so they kind of had this opening. It, it starts out in this subcommittee and they start out with basically a public forum where people who are for this or against this can kind of come and speak and there were senators there and you kind of had an opportunity to express your support or your uh, being against this particular amendment. It was heartbreaking as I sat there and I listened to people who were against this, who were, who were actually for abortion at any time during the pregnancy. Even, even prior, you know, the mother could be in labor, about to give birth, and if she wants an abortion, they were there to fight for her right to abort, to terminate the life of that baby. There's even talking now about, and I mentioned this last week, again, about there just being, you know, even a window of time after the baby's born, the baby's been birthed, that there would be a time, and, and they haven't been specific as to what amount of time, but there, there would be a time that that mother could still decide to terminate the life of that baby. And there were women there that were actually in favor of this. There was a woman there who talked about uh, uh, how happy she was to have an abortion, how much better her life was, and, and how she works to try to encourage as many women as possible to take the, the you know, ownership, take power of your body and have an abortion. I, it was just, I, I couldn't believe that I was actually hearing what I was hearing. And it was very, very interesting. One woman, she kind of said, she made this statement. She said, my life is so much better than if I would have had that child. My life would just be a mess. My life would be over. But because of that, my life is so much better. It was very, very interesting. One of the men uh, who, who followed her got up and said, how would you ever know? How would you know your life could be better? You never allowed the story to be told. Wow. You never allowed the story to be told. Think about that. And that's kind of what he challenged her. Think about how, how much better your life could be if you just would have had this baby. Think of maybe the differences this particular child could have made in the world that they won't make now because you never let the story be told. Kind of started thinking about that in my own story. You know, with everything that I kind of 
went through last year, there was a part of me that just wanted to quit, to walk away. Felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of embarrassment, not just for me, but also for my family. I thought maybe in some ways I've disqualified myself. And so it was very tempting to just want to just throw up my hands and say, I've, my mistakes are too big. They're too powerful. And the best thing for me is just to quit, to abort. But then the story would have never been told. What God wants to do would never be realized if I just walk away. Nehemiah's story never would have been told. If Nehemiah would have heard what God was saying, what God was calling him to do, if Nehemiah would have looked at that and just simply said, it's too big, it's too impossible, I can't do it, find somebody else, the story would have never been told. I believe there are things God wants to do in this church, stories that God wants told. Ministries, I think, that God wants to bring forth. I love what Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. Man, that's powerful. I think that's what the Israelites did. I think that's what the Jewish people did. They trusted in the Lord. They didn't lean upon their own understanding. They didn't lean upon their own abilities. They didn't lean upon their own resources. They trusted in God that what they lacked, he would make up for. What they didn't have, he would provide. Amen. Where they couldn't go, he would lead. What they couldn't do, he would enable them to do. Give them the strength, the power, the resources to do what he was calling them to do. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. It's just acknowledging him in all of our ways. I acknowledge there was a reason God brought that man, allowed me to see what I saw, to hear what I heard. God brought that man for a reason. And I acknowledge him in that. What are you doing? What are you calling us to? What do you want to do with that? I believe it was not happenstance that Doug and Karen and I were there with those legislators. Again, God had a purpose in having us there. What is the purpose? What are you wanting us to do with that? Where are you wanting us to go with that? It's acknowledging him in all of those ways. And then it says, and then he will make your path straight. See, it's in making their path straight that they were able to do that in 52 days. That straight path, it is a straight path from one point to the next. It's not a meandering, winding, long road. That straight path is a direct path to get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I believe that God has a straight path for every one of us in this room, that God has a straight path for the vision, the plan that he's calling us to. 
And this is right now what Monday night is all about. It's just gathering, it's acknowledging him, it's listening, it's discerning. What is it, God, you're calling us to do? And I just think it's gotta be, it's gotta be so big. <laughs> Again, when people look at it, they're simply gonna say, there's no way that church could have done that without God. Amen. They're not that good. <laughs> they're not that talented. They're not that smart. We say amen to that. But God is. So I, I, just, I just challenge you. And I challenge myself. Think big. Don't put any barriers. Don't put any qualifiers. Don't put anything that would say to God, you can't, because he can. Oh, that's right. He is more than able to do above and beyond all we could think or imagine. And I, I'm believing that for us and for our church. I just invite you to stand this morning. Father, again, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for just the ways that you're leading us individually, the way you're leading us corporately as your body. God, I thank you, Lord, for the things that you're allowing us to see and to hear. And God, there are things that maybe we don't understand. There are things that we can't fully make sense of. But I trust, God, that you're allowing us to see and to hear certain things for a reason. And so, God, we just trust you in that. We trust you with that. We just step into that. Even though we fully don't know what you're doing or where you're going, God, we again, just we choose to fully step into that, to trust in you, to put our faith in you, to, to fix our eyes again upon the finisher, the perfecter, the author of our faith. So Father, we just again, we thank you, Lord, for Nehemiah's story, God, and just the ways that it can encourage and breathe life and purpose into our story here. And God, we wanna see you move in ways that, that would be a powerful witness within our community that you would move in such ways that, that people would know that, God, you rule, you reign in this place. Amen. Father, again, we just ask, Lord, if there are ways that we just need to be broken, if there are ways that we just need to be humbled, if there are just that, that hard ground that needs to be broken up. Father, we just pray you'll come and do that work in us, God. We just thank you, Lord. We wait upon you.
We just acknowledge your power and your presence in this place. We acknowledge your hope. We acknowledge your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your long-suffering God. We acknowledge you in this place, in this time. We want to walk with you. We want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in your plans and your purposes this morning, individually and as a body. And so Lord, this morning again, we just surrender, we submit, we yield and we bring ourselves into that place of submission, of obedience this morning that place of repentance. And that place again of just acknowledging your greatness. And Father, we thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. I just wanna just invite you this morning as we just close in worship that, again, this is a display of God's greatness, his goodness, his awesomeness. This is a, a reminder of God's majesty, his power as we come and, and receive something we do not deserve. It is a gift, but it is a gift that has come at great cost and that Jesus allowed himself to be crucified, his flesh to be broken, his blood to be shed. So while it's a free and a amazing gift, it came at a great cost. Yes. So this morning as we just come and we take that bread and we dip that in the juice, again, we're just acknowledging again that God through Jesus Christ was the ultimate bondage breaker. So this morning as we just come and we receive that, we receive that witness, we receive that call to go and to be reconcilers as we have been reconciled to the cross, we now have that tremendous responsibility to go out and to reconcile others to be that bondage breaker. So we just thank you for this reminder. And if you're when you're finished with that, if you'd like to be prayed for this morning, I'd love to just pray with you up here uh, this morning. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.